Good evening and welcome to the Obelisk. Tonight's guest is Dr. Joseph Lee. Dr. Lee is a practicing LASIK surgeon in LA and has performed over 80,000 LASIK cases in the past 20 years. Since Dr. Lee founded LASIK Eye Center, he has not had a single LASIK claim, lawsuit, or settlement from his patients. Dr. Lee's excellent record is a combination of his education, experience, judgment, knowledge of his equipment, yes, and attention to detail. Dr. Lee is a University of Michigan Medical School graduate, 1994. During medical school, Dr. Francis Collins of NIH was his genetics professor. Well, that's creepy. Dr. Lee, are you there? Where'd he go? He just stepped away. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everyone out there. He missed Hi. my awesome intro. <laughs> Hi, Jerry. Hi, Nish. How are you? Excellente. Missed it's you. It's been a minute. I know. I know. I've missed you, too. It was a holiday. It was a holiday. It was. Yes, it was. It's, it's funny that Dr. Lee just stepped away, though. He, like, just went <laughs> invisible. Did he hear anything <laughs> of what I said? Oh, there he is. <laughs> There's Dr. Lee. I just introduced you. And you walked away. Are you okay? Hi, yeah, Dr. Lee. Fire alarm went off. Dr. Lee, <laughs> welcome to the obelisk. Thank you. <laughs> it's a great pleasure to have you here. And um, it seems to me like it couldn't be more timely with all these receipts coming in of things you've been talking about, all the work you've done, riding into the direct administration over all this malarkey. So, I mean, it seems to me, well, it's strange because look at all the receipts coming in, including your research, but they seem to be doubling down on it now. Uh, and it will not end well for them. No, and I well, think I hope not. But look at the damage done right now. I mean, it's incredible. It's uncomprehensible, really, because time will tell. It seems to and... me like the doubling down is more of a. As long as they continue to ignore it, they can't say that they did something wrong. You know. Yeah, but the president, if you could call him that, is still pushing it. Just re this oh, is last week. He's an, he's and an idiot. now we've got the crack in. And um, <laughs> California is getting crazy again, you know, with masking and talking about the crack in. And I mean, it looks like they are really pushing us towards another wave of this. Don't you see this, Dr. Lee? That's always going to happen. Ahead, yeah, but, you know, I mean, I basically. When I started this, I, I mean, I figured out a lot of this in January 2020. I knew it wasn't an antibody. And so I work at two surgery centers. I do LASIK in my own private you know, facilities, but I do cataract surgery in two different surgery centers. And I had to get approval at those two surgery centers without having been vaccinated. I think one surgery center has a chain of like at least 100 surgery centers all over the US. And I'm one of the only physicians surgeons that was not vaccinated and they gave me privileges and they pretty much had to because i sent in all my information to them i said look you're gonna have to explain some stuff and you your vaccine has a major flaw with it and so they wanted a religious exemption i said science is my religion and my science says this is stupidity and i i had privileges at both service centers and the the surgeons at the at both institutions they were not easy for me 
they'd argue with me. I mean, some of the nicest surgeons at one of the facilities, I, I think it was there was a time when two or three of them ganged up on me and they were cussing me out. And that's how heated it was. And they were so certain that they were right. And, you know, I'm, there, there aren't that many anti-vaxxer physicians. So I was the only one and I was fighting. But now they've changed the tune. A lot of them believe me. So they're not going for their fifth booster. They're not going to go for their sixth booster. <laughs> so even if the government and the leadership doesn't want to acknowledge this, people are not that dumb. They're just not going to do it. And even the ones who are saying they're doing it, they're not fucking getting the shots. That's what I think. <laughs> I don't think they're pretending they're getting the shots, but are they really getting the shots? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Oh, echo. I don't think they're getting them either. It's, what? I think we have an echo. No, I heard it once, but it went away. Okay. I think I got away with it. Anyway, yeah, I, I think the I, the tide is turning, as we were saying. The there seems to be a lot of momentum building up against it, and which is a good thing. And I think we're going to reach this tipping point where the anger will be will be directed at <laughs> the providers of this potion in the in the near future. And you know, I mean, where I come in is I have a paper trail starting up October of twenty twenty. In February 2021, I sent a 73-page letter into Dr. Fauci. So my paper trail just incriminates the bastard. It's just very going to be very, very hard for him to get away with it. You know, this is how simple it is. It's always a risk-benefit. Everything you do in life, you have to say, what's the risk and what is the benefit? Okay, so the benefit, supposedly, of the COVID vaccine was it could help the group. Even Pfizer admits we didn't check for prevention of transmission. There are too many people who got the vaccine that know they can get COVID. So again, what is the benefit? Oh, you, you as an individual might not get severe COVID and you might not die from it. That is the only benefit that they can say right now. Okay, so that's the only benefit that they can say. I can drink myself to death. I can party myself to death. There are many ways I can kill myself and the government can't stop me and they're not allowed to. So this risk benefit, everything falls under this. So what is the benefit? The benefit was supposedly to the group, because if you got the vaccine, you had less chance of getting infected, less chance of passing along to somebody else in the group, and less chance of passing death to somebody else. And so it was warranted. But then the question is, and this is where I come in, how can you show that somebody who has a vaccine has less likelihood of getting the infection? Your current theory is there was a neutralizing antibody that's in the lung that binds the virus before the virus can infect your lung cell. Okay, fine. Tell me how it got in there. Because a lung is an airspace. The body is 70% water. If our body, if our lung can't stop water from going in, we would be dead already. Our lung is surrounded by what's called a blood-lung barrier. It's a waterproof yes. jacket. It prevents water from getting in. Water molecules are tiny. Antibody molecules are made outside the lung, and they're 8,000 times heavier. There is no path. And Eugene Gu, this idiot doctor, won't answer that question. 
I mean, I've called him a dumb fuck a million times. Because you know what? If you're a physician and you're promoting a product and you can't say how it works, you have, this is what given out 7 billion times and you can't tell me your hypotheses on how it works. I can tell you how amoxicillin works. I can tell you how antibiotics work. They interfere with a certain protein within a bacteria that produces bacteria cell walls. That's how they work. You can't tell me how the antibody vaccine works. Oh, it's a neutralizing antibody. You didn't think you had to explain it because a vaccine, by definition, is a neutralizing antibody. And the lung is a primary organ inf infected, primary or organ with damage. And your thought was that it got into the lung and it neutralized the virus before it infected our lung cells. Except you can't tell me how it crosses the blood-lung barrier. Crazy. So, you know, every one of these uh, spaces I go to, they're talking about risk, they're talking about... I'm like, first of all, the benefit? If the benefit is practically zero, whatever your risk describing, that risk over benefit ratio, it becomes a lot bigger. So let's say it's only one in 4,000 or one in 10,000 young adults that have myocarditis. Well, if the benefit is very low, that's not even worth it. And no one can seem to answer the question. How does the COVID vaccine work? Simple question. <laughs> did to 7 billion people or 10 billion, whatever it was, how does it work? And they won't state it. <laughs> Crazy. It's trade secrets. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, they'll just, the, the standard claim has been that it produces antibodies. That's mm -hmm. that's but they're the wrong kind of antibodies, but they don't say that. Right? They're not producing T and B cell memory antibodies. They're producing just the regular old those I forget what they're called, the initial antibodies that come in when there's a, a, a go ahead. And they're they're getting really mad about this whole thing because as I as I realized, you know, oh my gosh. So I send in seventy three pages of Dr. Fauci and February 2021, explaining exactly the whole complete issue. Any scientist who reads that says, uh, this guy has a lot of good points. It doesn't matter if he's right or wrong. We have to investigate this shit. We have to review this. The next step, after getting my 73-page letter, Fauci's next step is not, is not to say, let's inject children. Let's inject pregnant women. That is not the next step. The next step is, uh, okay, so if our COVID vaccine doesn't work because of a neutralizing antibody, because it has no path into the lung, we've got to figure out how this works. And so I provided a theory. I said, let me tell you what I think. Your vaccine produces muscle aches because it tricks the body into having a reaction. It tricks your body into producing interferon. Our body is capable of producing interferon. That's how we heal from viruses. If I'm, you trick your... Go ahead. I thought it actually <laughs> suppressed the interferon generation. So any adjuvant, any adjuvant, mm -hmm. an adjuvant is something that potentiates the immune system. If you stick a foreign substance into your body, your body will react. That's the inf inflammatory, you know, inf inflammatory response and the immune response. Everything overlaps a little bit. But every major review study on mRNA vaccines says exactly that, that a COVID mRNA vaccine will cause induction of chemokines. That is the main thing, main side effect. So that's why you get muscle aches and you feel bad after a vaccine. Okay, so the flu vaccine also does that. So I said, 
look, guys, if your vaccine worked because of its side effect, you didn't control for that. <laughs> and the easiest way to control for that is compare your COVID vaccine to the flu vaccine, because we're pretty sure the flu vaccine does not create a COVID antibody. Or but if the flu vaccine works against COVID, whoa, maybe my hypothesis is correct. And maybe your vaccine is pure shit. Because if it, it in fact does work because of its side effect, that means it's a medicine. That means it's short-lived. How something works in science is critical for us to understand because the predictions of what will happen in the future are relevant to how it works. And if it works because of its side effect, the side effects don't stay that long. Then the action of the vaccine will be a lot shorter than you think. And see, the mRNA vaccine, you get one, and you trick the body into making interferon. The mRNA becomes COVID antigen, and your body freaks out again and makes interferon. You get the booster four times. You trick your body into making interferon and other chemokines that are antiviral. That's why it worked. And there's no scientist on Earth that can disagree with this. Uh, if you didn't do the research, there is no way to disprove what I said. The only way to disprove it is actually to do side-by-side -side comparison. And if you do that, you realize, oh, my God, it's kind of... Now, I say you compare the COVID mRNA vaccine to the flu vaccine, but you have to give the flu vaccine four times, too, to be fair, to be a fair comparison. The J&J vaccine, it worked once because you have one COVID spike antigen, and it had 50% effectivity. The AstraZeneca, you gave two COVID spike antigens, and it had more effect because you tricked your body twice. The Pfizer and Moderna, you tricked your body four times. That's why you tricked your body into producing more interferon. You got more effect. And the silliness of this whole thing is no one can disprove me. So the moment any scientist reads this, and, and I put a U.S. copyright on this because I thought the Dems were so crazy, they would go there and dig it out and make it disappear. And I put international patents on it. So my paper trail, my receipts are really solid. That's excellent. And that is definitely the way to do it yeah. when dealing with serpents like this. <laughs> the reptiles. So, so a couple of questions that just came up that I had while you were talking about that. Yeah. If, if the mechanism of this uh, therapy, the, the vaccine, is to have you produce antibodies to the spike protein, um, and it goes in the arm and it can't get into the lungs where that infection may be to fight it off, correct? Right. How do flu vaccines work? And they don't. <laughs> okay. And, you know, I never got a flu vaccine in my life, but the moment I discovered this, immediately, of course, I turned and thought about the flu vaccine. Of course, the flu vaccine, I never got one. Yeah, but most doctors that I knew didn't believe in it, even at the time. Hmm. And I did, and then I, I realized, oh, so the flu vaccine never worked well. You look at Wikipedia, their data, sometimes it was 30% effectivity, sometimes 80%. Right. They were all over the place. So they had a built-in excuse. Their excuse was, uh, guys... We tried our best, but the strain changed on us and mutated. Sure. Yeah. How can you hold them responsible? They had a built-in excuse. Yeah. I never even thought about it. I never said, oh, why did the flu vaccine work? Well, they keep trying so hard. These scientists are working their tails off, trying to always keep up with it. And the buck-breaking influenza keeps mutating on them. Well, you can't blame them. They're trying their best, right? Mm -hmm. The reality is it didn't work because it can't. 
Well, you, you, I've heard you talk about, I believe, um, the power of fasting when we're talking about oh, the common yes. cold and the, right. the flu. Could you bring people into the knowing of this? Because I'm a big believer in this. Absolutely. And you know what disturbs me greatly with the opposition leaders? I've had to fight too many of them. And they fight me on this. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, we recommend fasting too. I'm like, do you tell people the way I tell it? That when you get COVID or, the, or influenza, that the next two or three days, food can kill you? Is that the way you explain it? No, it's on the bottom of your protocol. After all your other drugs and vitamin D and everything else. It should be top first and foremost. So this is the way I explain it in layman's terms. Well, let's start from the year 2020, where, which everyone knows. How many people who got COVID in the year 2020, how many people can say, uh, yeah, Dr. Lee, I had COVID antibodies in my, in my system before I got COVID for the first time. How did you get the COVID antibodies in your system? You had never had COVID. A vaccine didn't exist in the year 2020. How did you get COVID antibodies in your system? No one did. So 20 million Americans at least got COVID in the year 2020. Not a single one of us had a COVID-19 antibody in our blood. And yet 90% of us healed. I thought they actually found some in the blood supplies. Okay, what they're saying is there was an unrelated coronavirus Mm -hmm. Ah, and not the spike antigen, but other, other coronaviruses. They found some antibodies, and what I re- this is the way I respond to them. Oh, and you found that in five percent of the population, and that was from an infection they had three years ago. And that training from that unrelated coronavirus was sufficient to heal them. But your COVID vaccine, which is so amazing, all the training that you get from your COVID vaccine is gone in eight months. But some unrelated coronavirus from three years ago, Still and you had a mild, <laughs> and you had a mild cold, and that IgG from that experience three years ago helped you get over COVID. See, the bullshit is just silliness. And then the question is, well, when they first got that coronavirus, that was the first time for them. How did they heal from that one? You can always go back. I go back all the way to the six-month-old human infant that came out of his mother, never had a virus in his life, six months old, gets COVID, had no training for any virus at all whatsoever, gets COVID, clears 10 billion viruses from his body in a week. How did that human infant do it? No training, no prior coronavirus. You see, it's the whole concept of antibodies that's silly. It's just- well. <laughs> It is. I agree. But I think that something people can take away from all this just as a hard takeaway is in how you treat anything. And the fasting in the first two days is so incredibly important. Most people start hunkering down on the foods they think they should eat, like the, you know, chicken soup and all this other stuff when they don't realize they're feeding it. And that's such a good point because, you know, obviously I get sidetracked, but in the year 2020, no one had a COVID antibody. And my point is, that's not the molecule that saved us. There was another way. And, you know, no one explains how we recovered in the year 2020 with no COVID antibodies. So this is the way I explain it. I say, every school kid knows that viruses don't grow on their own. 
Viruses grow within our human cells. Our cells are not all growing at the same speed. When you stop eating, that sends a signal to every cell in your body. Oh, no resources. Everyone hunker down. Every cell in your body figures out that there are less resources and they don't grow as fast. Well, guess what? The virus has to use our cells to grow. And if our cells are growing a lot slower, it grows the virus a lot slower. Then less of our cells are sick. Then we cough out less virus. Other people around us are less sick. And even if they do get sick, if they know to fast, the severity of their illness will be a lot less. Now, this is a biochemical pathway. So here's a lung cell. The COVID virus injects its RNA into the lung cell. And, you know, I have to beat people over the head with this information. Lung cell, the virus injects the RNA into the lung cell. That viral RNA inside the lung cell has got to be the enemy. What should you do? You should destroy it. Is there anything on earth known to destroy viral RNA? Ribonuclease enzymes. Ribonuclease enzymes destroy RNA. Is there a way to activate those ribonuclease enzymes more? Yes, by fasting. So that was my particular discovery, that fasting increases reactive oxygen substrates that oxidizes an inhibitor off the ribonuclease, and the ribonuclease is free to top up more RNA, including ours. And that's how we stop our growth. Because 70% of a dry weight of a cell is protein. If your cell is not allowed to make protein from RNA, RNA becomes protein. If your cell is not allowed to do that process called translation, then the cell can't grow. So if you cut up all the RNA, your cell can't grow very much. That is like the master off switch in our body, the ribonuclease enzyme. And we have at least a dozen versions of this. And I believe we have a lot more. So, so uh, Dr. Yeah, Lee, yeah. the minute somebody... Wait, wait, wait. Uh, can can you turn down your your speaker volume a little bit? Because we're getting feedback. Like the... Uh, test, 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 test. All right, that's good. Thank you. So, Dr. Lee, say you know you're getting sick. So, right. you know, whatever, that itch, whatever. What What would you suggest would be a good protocol for people for the first two days? Because a lot of people have ideas of what fasting is. Some people think it's literally not eating food, and then they'll do a lot of, say, heavy juicing or something. What? Right. I, how what should I this say, look? So what I always say is no calories. Or the less calories, the better. So chicken broth soup is going to have some electrolytes, but very few calories. I would say it's like everything in life. It's great. If you have two huge steaks, you're going to be at high risk. If you have, you know, you know, three bowls of chicken soup, your risk is profile is a lot better. So everything is great, clearly. But see, people can't understand all that. So I just say no calories. Just don't eat for two to three days. Obviously, drink the fluids as you need to. Uh, drink, you know, uh, you can drink Gatorade with a zero calorie Gatorade with electrolytes if you feel like you're you're short on electrolytes. But I, the less you eat, the better. And obviously, plenty of us survived still eating a little bit. I get it. And I agree. But let's say you're 85 and you get COVID 
your chance of dying is pretty high. If you don't eat for two to three days, your chance of living is much better than it was. And they'll do all the studies in the future to figure this out. But again and again, I tell, I tell people, go back to the year 2020. How do you think we healed without COVID antibodies? We had some unrelated IgG antibodies from some other coronavirus that they were barely detectable, which means it was less than a few percent. And you think that is what protected us? No. When you acknowledge that the virus infects a lung cell and that infected lung cell, that RNA is the enemy and you want to destroy that, there is only one thing that destroys that, ribonuclease enzymes. No other scientist says it's even proposed another mechanism of destroying that. Dr. Syed tells me, well, maybe we don't want it to die. Maybe we want it to live and grow so we get trained for the next coronavirus. I'm like, yeah. you're just out of your mind. Just because you didn't think of it and you think it's simple, you don't want to acknowledge the point. The point is that simple. Every school kid on earth knows that the, the viruses don't grow on their own. They grow within our cells. Our cells are not all growing at the same speed. You know, the Holocaust was a horrible event. We didn't hear about the Jewish people all getting wiped out by the flu. And they were in these horrible European winters in these detention centers. Because when you're not eating, viruses have a really hard time propagating. I see, I just tell people over and over and over again, but you know, they can't believe it's that easy. It is that easy. And our women knew it. They said feed a fever and start a cold or feed a cold and start a fever. They had part of it right. They knew there was some truth in there. It's the eating. And, you know, a hundred thousand years ago, the humanoid, humanoid babies that liked to eat when they got sick, they died. They're not our ancestors. The humanoid babies that got sick and didn't like to eat, they are our ancestors. Everyone on earth who's had children knows when they're three and they get sick, they get fussy and they will not want, they don't want to eat. Yeah. Those babies aren't crawling towards the sunlight. You yeah. want to think yeah. vitamin D is important. They're not crawling toward the sunlight. <laughs> they're not eating. They're not looking for the fruit, vitamin C. They're not looking for oxygen tanks. They are not eating. <laughs> <laughs> it seems so logical to me. And just having been sick and, you know, knowing that you don't really, you're not craving anything. Half the time you can't taste anything. Absolutely. And then people come at you with all this, um, you know, wonderful homespun, whatever, and good intentions. But it's always like, eat this, eat this, you know, and it feels to me Somewhere along the line, the narrative got switched. And I, I've always been curious about that. I'm a longtime believer in fasting for a lot of things. And I agree with you. It has a lot of useful purposes, but clearly the exact reason why it helps with the virus is because it stops, it slows down cell growth dramatically. And, it, you know, I found one huge major pathway. They're going to find many, many more pathways. And every pathway will be this. The way we control viral growth is we control our cell growth without killing our cells. And they'll find this over and over and over again. Interferon does the same thing. It interfere, interferes with protein translation. There's an, an initiation factor that's necessary. Once it's phosphorylated, it doesn't allow translation. Interferon goes around and tells all cells, don't grow, don't grow, don't grow. That's how they do it.
and uh, you know, on top of all that, as I discovered this, I realized this isn't just an issue with the COVID vaccine. Yeah. I start this realizing, wow, the measles, you know, I, I, I start calling myself an anti-vaxxer because everything, look, this is what my, what I say about the measles vaccine. A mother sees a child with red dots on the child's face and says, Johnny, you don't get to go to school today. Johnny's happy, stays home four miles away from school with brick walls in between him and other students. Isolation is known to be extremely effective to scientists. The chance of Johnny spreading it is much, much less because he's he's at home and isolated. So visualization of red dots and isolation works. So the measles vaccine wants to take credit for the decrease in measles in the U.S. in the past 40 years. I say, look, you think your measles vaccine did it. I'm proposing an alternate hypothesis, visualization of red dots followed by isolation. You're never going to be able to disprove my theory, ever, which means you don't get to take credit for that because isolation is strong. I, I get at least 70% credit. That means you get at most 30% credit, which means you should <laughs> never be able to mandate the measles vaccine ever again on Earth. Well, of course, this brings in the question of what's the agenda behind the vaccine? Well, I mean, I can't read people's minds, but I can tell you that at the time that the pandemic started in Wuhan, people were talking about it and the government started worrying about it. You know, scientists were on the ball and they're trying to look for every possible thing. And we all know this, that drugs and therapeutics, they're a problem because they can cause toxicology. They can cause weird effects with the kidney, the liver. Toxicology studies have to be done. Sometimes they can last four years, five years. So uh, creating a new therapeutic was never an option. That's why all these old medications got recycled. Ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, all those things that come up, they come up because we already had a safety profile for that, and a drug toxicity profile for that. But the other op option alternative was, you know, hey, the flu vaccine. You know, the flu is the most similar thing to COVID. And the way we handle the flu vaccine, flu influenza crisis, whatever, is we have a flu vaccine. So that's why they went to the COVID vaccine, because they thought, oh, well, we can make an, a vaccine. We don't have to worry about the weird toxicology of a vaccine compared to a therapeutic, except that they were wrong. Every new vaccine is potentially toxic. See, this is, this is where people don't, if you don't, if you don't understand history, you're going to repeat it. In the early 19th century, the number one cause of death for boys and girls under 20 was rheumatic fever. Rheumatic fever, rheumatic heart disease, we figured out the connection between strep throat, the streptococcus bacteria, and rheumatic fever. And that took us almost 100 years to figure that crap out. And that was a number one killer of boys and girls under 20 in the, in the early 19th century. That was one antibody. The antibody to the streptococcus bacteria was the number one killer for boys and girls under 20 in the early 19th century. It's all documented in, his, in history. No one can dispute this. That's one antibody. So when they went with the COVID vaccine, yeah, on, this, on the surface of it, it seems like, well, we definitely can't go with therapeutics because any new therapeutic could cause really you know, severe liver or kidney damage. We have no idea. 
And so that was thrown out. Well, here's the flu vaccine. Let's make a COVID vaccine. And so that was their thought. Ah, but they forgot about the early 19th century and the number one killer for boys and girls, the streptococcus antibody. And here we have it again. The COVID antibody is a number one killer for boys and girls, right? I mean, I don't know if it's number one, but it's huge numbers right now. People are dropping dead left and right. So during the spaces today uh, on Mario's space, he didn't give me a long chance to talk as Steve Chris started talking over me and I had to, I had to leave early because I had some errands to run. But uh, I came up with a whole hypothesis because science is about a hypothesis. Everyone's got data. There's way, way, way too much data out there. Everyone has data. See, I tell people, if there's a haystack, and I'm going to find the needle. This is the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to say a needle is smaller, more dense, slippery, less meal friction. If I vibrate that haystack, I'll search the bottom 0.01% of the space that everyone else searches because I'll only search the very bottom. And I'll find the needle, and everyone else won't. So see, there's no question. There's way too much data out there. Science is about a hypothesis. If you can't figure out the basic hypotheses, you're not going to get to the truth because everyone can have data support their side. So over and over again, I find you have to have a hypothesis. <clears throat> Any questions? Yeah, sorry, I was waiting for Nish to talk. <laughs> I was I was succeeding. I was you were letting, letting me talk, Doctor <laughs> Lee. I usually like dominate the talk, so <laughs> she does. And, be... <laughs> and I run the chat. That's how it goes. <laughs> But I want chair to talk. So. But no, I have, I have quite. So you're going back to your statement about getting multiple shots and whatnot. What's your opinion of uh, the possibility for original antigenic sin slash ADE, those kind of things, things that uh, Dr. Vandenbosch has brought up? You mean side effects of the COVID vaccine? Yeah, of multiple of continued injection of this therapy. Okay, so I have this little thread I wrote on Twitter, the 399 possible antibodies that the COVID vaccine may have created. So, you know, a lot of people think that people are dying of clots and they call it the clot shot. So there's a lot of data. And, you know, Steve Kirsch wants to talk about data. Everyone wants to talk about data. And I say, first, why don't you come up with a little hypothesis? This is the hypothesis for why the COVID vaccine causes death in young people. This is the hypothesis. And you know, once you know what to look for, people will start looking for it and they'll find it. And I guarantee you that they'll find this. So when you get a COVID vaccine, you form antibodies in your blood. You have no idea how many antibodies you're, you're producing. They have a synthetic mRNA that can last weeks to months, and then they get a booster, and then they got in a booster in six months. You don't know how many antibodies are forming. Why is that a problem? They were so happy that they even found some antibodies in the blood. They were thrilled. They never documented how much you were creating. So in the blood, albumin is a protein that's about 50, 50 kilodaltons. Every research scientist on earth knows you put albumin in water, it makes it thicker. It makes it slimy and thicker and more viscous because it's a large protein. Well, antibodies are 145,000 Daltons, three times larger than albumin, and they make the blood thicker. 
Now, in any hemodynamic system on Earth, any pump system, you can have a major pump with you know, outlets all over, going in a circle. The hardest, when you increase the viscosity of fluid, the most damage to the system is to the pump. Because as you increase viscosity, the pump has much greater work. So you increase the viscosity of blood, the heart, which is the pump, gets the most trauma. Most trauma. It has to work harder. Just if you're going to walk, the heart has a certain amount it has to work. But if you're in a walk and your blood is thicker, the heart has to work much harder now just to walk. Now, if you think, if you normally think, oh, I can run a, you know, a sprint and play 30 minutes in a football game and I'm a little short of breath, but I'm okay. If you think that, but your blood is a lot thicker and you're going to do that and you're going to be, your heart's going to be really, really working hard. And when your blood is thicker, coronary blood vessels that provide the heart with blood, the smaller blood vessels, caliber vessels, are by far the most affected by increased viscosity. So this is the way I explain it. You just created all these antibodies. You don't even know how many you created. You gave them booster after booster. And I explained that the, COVID, the IgG antibody is three times as big as albumin. IgM is the first antibody made. When you get a booster, you make IgM again. IgM is a pentameric version of IgG. It's about 800,000 Daltons. So it's almost 15, 18 times larger than albumin. So it makes your blood really thick. So every time you get a booster, you're thickening your blood dramatically. And you're making your heart work harder. And you're not aware of this situation because if you've had a heart attack, everyone knows. I've got to be careful even walking up the stairs because my heart might not be to handle. Well... With the vaccine, you don't realize that. And so then you go do your normal thing and run hard and sprint. That could kill you. So my theory on why this clot shot is killing young people and why it's causing myocarditis. Okay, this is what myocarditis is. This is the way I envision it. You made your blood thicker. You're pushing, forcing blood through this heart. Well, the lining of the heart is the same as the lining everywhere else, endothelial cells. You're scraping off those endothelial cells. When you scrape off those endothelial cells, white blood cells in the blood freak out. Antibodies can clot within that abrasion open area. And within the muscle fiber itself, it notices, oh, there's no endothelial cells. Everything starts freaking out. So you get a scratch on your heart wall from this constant pushing of very viscous fluid, you're gonna get myocarditis. That's the theory. And no one will even say that. Now the clots, okay, you have thicker blood. So the blood moves slower. You have a lot of antibodies. On the back of every antibody is an FC region. Everyone knows that a clot is composed, comprised of platelets. Platelets have an FC receptor. So you have very slow movement of blood because it's viscous in the peripheral extremities. It's not moving fast like in the heart. In the heart, the thick blood is damaging the lining. In the periphery, where the blood is really moving slow, the same antibody and the same viscous fluid is, flow, is slowing the blood even more. 
and all those antibodies are sticking to platelets, and boom, you have a clot. Both of these phenomena are related to the viscosity due to the increase in antibodies. No one is willing to say that. I, I'm disgusted with most, most cardiologists, because every cardiologist on Earth knows that they're busier. This is the hypothesis, and they will confirm all of this. In the 19th century, the number one killer in young, young adults, children under 20, was a strep antibody via this mechanism. And they didn't, they didn't find, they, they just thought, oh, the streptococcus antibody has a particular desire to affect the mitral valve. No, 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 they were confused. It's just that when you get strep throat, you form a lot of antibodies and you make your blood thicker and then it starts damaging the heart valve and all the lining, the endothelium. And then you get a recurrent strep throat and a recurrent because it's hard to get rid of this infection in the, in the throat without an antibiotic. And so then every time your antibodies flare up and you produce more IgM antibodies, and they thought, oh, no, that strep antibody likes to bind the heart valve. No, it's just purely a matter of viscosity and the damage that you're doing. And they never made that connection. And that's what we did again. And they'll find this over and over. They're going to research this now. Once you have the hypotheses in place, people can know where to look. It's just like the needle in the hashtag. Now when I shake it, they know to look at the bottom. Now when I direct cardiologists, oh, they're going to find more and more evidence to prove exactly what I just said right now. They're going to find damage to the heart valve. They're going to find that whenever you have a lot of antibodies, you have thicker blood. And then when you have the early spike of IgM, you're going to have super thick blood. And that's when the risk of heart attack is highest, risk of stroke is highest. And then the peripheries, the clots, are going to be formed of a lot of antibodies that have platelets attached to it because you formed way too many antibodies. You see the spike antigen? When it's on a virus, you form an antibody to the top of the spike. When you inject that spike antigen for free, you form an antibody to the bottom. You form an antibody to the side. That's a good point. And did they ever check for that? No. <laughs> now, did they ever check the side effect profile for those two other antibodies? No. So this is what happens when you don't have questions. When you don't, when you shut up the other side and you don't ask, allow the other side to ask intelligent questions in science, you fucking look brilliant. And you rush. And, yeah, and you rush. And you rush. You mm. you look brilliant. You're dumb fuck. Like Eugene Poo <laughs> saying dumb fuck. <laughs> Called him that a million times and calling him that again. <laughs> well, they have... needed it. I mean, look at this mess we're in. I got to read back. I know. I'm just saying, answer the fucking one question. Anything that you do, there's a risk benefit. If the benefit is zero because you can't show your antibody in the lung, what the fuck are we doing? And if they can't show it, look, you injected 7 billion people. You need to provide reference. And he's been delaying, delaying, delaying. And he says, what he says to me is, the antibody has a path into the lung. Fuck you. Has a path. And that's, and without a reference, and that's what you're going to say. Dr. Emily or Belling said the antibody transudates into the lung. You look up transudation in Western's medical dictionary, it means simple diffusion. And even her cited article says it happens less than 1% of the time. There were two other immunologists that chimed in on, on some kind of fact checkers. And one said, oh, it's secreted. And one says, it does get across. Everyone uses one word to explain how it crosses. 
Eugene Goo, the idiot. The dumb fuck. The goo-goo. I call him the goo-goo. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm mean. But look what he did. Look what he did to children, right? Look yes. how many. He probably killed people because people used his information to probably get a vaccine. Somebody probably died because of that. My brother had a major heart attack, you know, two, three weeks after his second Moderna uh, Pfizer shot. People left and right were dropping. Yes. And they're not acknowledging this shit. <clears throat> and so the hypothesis for why it all is occurring, I'll make, I'll do a Twitter thread, but it's exactly that. It's the same as what we did in the early 19th century. 19th century with one streptococcus antibody. We, that was a number one killer for boys and girls under 20. And it wasn't because the antibody had a weird predilection for liking heart valves. It is because when you increase the viscosity of blood, the hardest, if you had a pump system, the thing that you would have to change out the most would be the pump when you increased viscosity, right? Yeah. And the heart valve takes the brunt of the damage and the wear and tear from increased viscosity. And albumin, any researcher knows, you put albumin in, in water, it makes it a little viscous. You put something 15 times the size of albumin in water and you make a ton of it and you keep making it every three months, yeah, you're going to have problems. Well, it looks anyway, like... first time it disclosed this anywhere online. You know, I, I wasn't very loud on Mario Space Night because I put all this together in my mind. And so I, I, I was just a little quiet. But you got it. This is the reason why the clot shot is killing children. Why young adults are dropping like flies. Because the increased viscosity is causing wear and tear on the, on the, part, on the heart, endothelial lining, scratching it off causing inflammation, causing white blood cells and everything to, to be deposited. That's your myocarditis. And on the peripheral side where you're getting clots in the lung and slow removing areas, the thickness of blood with the antibody that has an FC region or platelets have FC receptors are all gathered together and going really slow and sticking. And that's where you're getting the clots that are that long. Are we talking about the white clots? Are we talking about the myocarditis and the clots? The connection is the viscosity. No, but the the things that like I've seen reports about embalmers pulling out white stringy. I've heard uh -huh. it described as calamari. I've heard a lot of people call them uh, amyloid fibrils, uh, right. which would be a result of folding proteins, right? The the cascade. They're, platelets. They're all platelets. Platelets are the basic mechanism whereby we clot. Okay. And you put a ton of IgM antibodies that are huge. They're just gigantic, and you know they're like a meshwork, and you have. Platelets combined with that in very slow-moving blood, they can clot. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Cool. Dr. Lee, what – so for people that have done this and are having these issues now, <clears throat> is there any road back for them? Is there a way to get better? Is there a way to help yourself? What, what are the options you see for people who have done this? Well, you know, my children have had it too, so I, I strongly, strongly think that – after the first, you know, whatever damage you've had from the vaccine, I don't think you have ongoing damage after three months. I don't think ongoing damage occurs unless you get a no, another COVID infection and then you have more spike antigen that's released from your lung into your bloodstream. Now, the way for that to happen is you have to have severe COVID. 
you know, the early, in the early days in, in 2020, the Stanford data showed that some people had barely any COVID antibodies. Some people had none. Some people had a ton. So you would have thought that if antibodies were useful, the people had that, that had the most COVID antibodies in their blood a month after their experience would have had the easiest clinical course. It was the reverse. The people who had barely any symptoms sometimes had no COVID antibodies. So this is a theory on why COVID antibodies actually form in the blood. If your lung is able to handle it, the COVID virus is large, it's 100 nanometers. It can't pass through the blood-lung barrier. The blood-lung barrier has to be destroyed by white cells. That's the cytokine storm. So if just one area is destroyed, that's not a cytokine storm. <laughs> but if lots of areas of your lung are destroyed and fluid is rushing in, you get white out on chest x-ray, and that's what a cytokine storm is. So then, of course, virus can leak into the blood, and antibodies can leak across the lung barrier into the lung. So you don't want that to happen. If you've been vaccinated three times, you probably don't want to get severe COVID. So the most important thing is when you get a sore throat, fast. Don't let the lung infection get out of control so you don't seed your blood again with virus. Because if you don't seed your blood again with virus, you're not going to form antibodies, very much antibodies. And you're already sensitized to forming antibodies. You're going to form a lot more. If you get severe COVID after having three boosters, you might die. So you, you want to, more than anyone else, you want to, when you get COVID or you have a sore throat, you want to fast for two to three days. So not let the virus grow, grow out of control. Because by, by day two, your interferons and other chemokines start kicking in and you have other measures. But the first day or two, the fastest way to let all your cells know not to grow is to not eat. No would this apply, Dr. Lee, would this apply to, so say you have compromised your system this much because of in, in causality to these shots, would this apply to other illnesses? So say it's not COVID, say it's something else and your system's already um, compromised. I mean, what are we looking at here as far as the extent of what could happen with other things other than COVID? Yeah, very, very complicated. So you just don't want anything in your blood. And the reason why I say that is we don't know how many different antibodies they created. Because I go through this thread on Twitter and I say the 399 other antibodies you might have created. Because that mRNA vaccine, if it happens to get cut in half inside the cell, it might produce a protein half as long then it will fold very differently. It will have a th different three-dimensional shape. You'll have potentially three to four other antibodies to that protein that's shorter. And they never look for anything else, but they're one antibody. They don't know what the hell they're doing. And they measured their success based on the fact that those antibodies existed, period. That's where they stopped. Like, oh, it's kind of, it made an antibody, we're done. It, they didn't check anything else like transmission or or severity and uh, you know the the whole thing with the absolute risk reduction versus relative <laughs> risk reduction was nonsense in their studies in the clinical that's trials. That's why I'm an anti-vaxxer yeah. because everything that they've done they they say they think cause and effect is if we find antibodies in the blood that means yes. we won. Right. And what I say is if I live in a farmhouse with thirty cats and I never see mice. And then in the year 2021, I put out one mouse trap and I catch one mouse, but I still have 30 cats. Is it really the mouse trap that prevented all the mice from showing up? 
our bodies had a way of handling all these viruses. Clearly in the year 2020, we handled the virus without antibodies. You come along, you, you form one antibody in your blood, and you think you're the hero now. No, something else did it. It was never your antibody. Your antibody is your ultimate red herring. It's like having a forest fire and you always find ash at every burnt house. A thousand houses burn and you find ash at every one of them. And you're going to conclude it's very significant. And you're going to take that ash and you're going to pretend to sprinkle it on the unburnt house. And the unburnt house is usually not going to burn because houses usually don't burn. And you're going to think you did an amazing job, <laughs> but you're dumb. It had nothing to do with it. <laughs> that's, the whole, that's the whole antibody story for viruses. Right yeah. there in a nutshell, everything they did was right there. So, so one of my theories has been throughout this whole thing that uh, when the vaccines first came out, the CDC came out and rec uh, recommended in their guidelines against aspirating the needle, A, to make it quicker uh, to get people vaccinated, uh, and B, to reduce you know their fear of needles because they don't want it in their their. It was bullshit reasons, right? But that that was a recommendation and all the mass vaccination centers and even still to this day, I think are not aspirating the injection, the syringe when they do the injection. Um, it's been my, my hypothesis that people uh, who got it actually injected into their bloodstream are the ones who are getting the brunt of it more quickly. Uh, they're getting more of the 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 viscous, the viscous blood, for instance, right? Right away versus people, it's going to take four or five months for the lymph system to get that into your bloodstream, to get those antibodies and the spikes in there. So I think that could be I agree with you. one of the reasons why it's happening. Well, yeah. Yeah. Sweet. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, usually yeah. if it makes sense, then it's hard to argue. But... That, that, See, you have to start with the hypotheses in science because you have to know what to look for. Yeah. See, immediately right there, now you know what to look for. You, some people are going to have a lot more COVID antigen in their blood than other people at one week because yes. of what you just said. Yes. And then you can look for that. See? Exactly. And that's how science is done properly. You have to have a hypothesis because there's way too much data for everyone. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, people like... Eugene Gu, who won't even answer one question when everything is risk benefit. And if you can't explain your benefit, and I'm attacking your main benefit, your antibody in the lung, and you can't even explain that crap, get off the fucking stage, slink away. You know, do the thing that you know all the smart people do. Just they just slink away. And they don't want to ever talk to me again because they know I'll make them look foolish. But this idiot keeps coming back up. It's like it's like <laughs> in life. I think this goes back to uh, so, so a lot of doctors are not speaking out and will not speak out against it nor engage anyone. I mean, you've had your challenge to debate all these people and they've all basically ignored you. Same goes for Steve mm -hmm. Kirsch, right? Kirsch has been offered a million dollars to debate him. Just, just talk to me. I'll give you a million bucks. And ever, no one has come forward. And I think that's <laughs> mainly because of fear. They don't want to lose, you know, there's been such a climate of fear created against the uh, the medical industry right now, without not only with the censorship, but just uh, look, you know, look at all the look at the new law in California. You're in California, that AB twenty forty eight or whatever I, the hell it is. I, I was proactive, you know. I knew most of this in January twenty twenty. So, 
no. you know, about almost two years ago now, I said the California Medical Board, everything I said, Fauci, all the issues with the COVID vaccine and everything, and they didn't, and I called up many of them. Mm -hmm. And back then, they didn't call the misinformation. I said, you got to tell me now if it's misinformation, because I'm talking to all my patients. And they didn't say anything. And then I called up Harold Krauss, who was a board member at the California Medical Board at the time. He's an ophthalmologist, and I explained it to him. He's older. I was very polite. Called him up at his office, got him for two minutes, explained everything. You know, he was in a rush, but he emailed me back as a California board member, medical board member, and he said, basically, that, oh, I, you know, he, wow. He didn't call my information misinformation. He said, I'll try to help you, but my term here is very limited. So I have that email. So I have protection because I have a paper trail. Like, sent them all this. And then, you know, recently with this 2098, I sent Governor Newsom a 17-page letter, and I said, here's a, here's a list of 100 questions. Please tell me which of these scientific questions will be illegal when you pass your new bill. Okay, how does the antibody enter the lung? It's a scientific question. Will it be illegal after you pass your bill into law? And so I made fun <laughs> of those fucking idiots because in science, you can't censor questions. I said, is it illegal to think about it? What if somebody reads it without knowing what they're reading? What if they read it silently to the book? What if I actually publish a book with it? <laughs> Are you going to burn the book? What if it was you sign dummy? language? <laughs> so, you see, in science, censorship, sorry. Censorship is never appropriate. It kills science. Because you'll look brilliant if you shut up the other side. Yeah. And, and then all of this, you know, it's, it's not about risk and benefit and what's beneficial and what's good. And they said it was good to get the vaccine for what reason? It was good because it would help the group. <laughs> Tell me how. Because once you don't have a neutralizing <laughs> antibody in your lung, you you can get the illness whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. You can spread the poison. You can spread death whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. So if you can spread death either way, why are you mandating this? Yeah. They're, they 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 have no rational excuse. The only reason why they even got this far with it is because of campaign against misinformation. If they didn't shut up the other side, it would have never gotten this far. I couldn't even advertise in the Orange County Register. Hmm. It took me, I, I was back and forth for three months trying to spend $50,000 in advertising with them. I couldn't do it. They were afraid. Like, well, you don't really have science. I'm like, it's an infomercial. <laughs> Unbelievable. And they won't let me do it. No. That's crazy. Yeah, the wow. Biden administration, the, it, it's, this is, this is an issue with the Democrats. This is a Democrat issue. This, it, the blame clearly falls on them. It does. They're afraid of mean words. That's why I fucking curse nonstop because I'm trying to teach people. <laughs> I'm trying to teach people. My fuck calling Eugene Gu a dumb fuck? Nothing compared to somebody that died because he recommended a vaccine where he can't explain how the antibody enters along. So his actions, the actions that resulted from his words, injection of shit into children, is infinitely worse than my mean words to him. Yes. And if, you're not if you're not allowed to say mean words, I am sorry, but the internet propagated. But you got, you got, you can't stop the meat words. And adults, they are not bullied. Bullying is not a thing for adults. You can always just shut your computer off. You can yes, block yes. them. You can mute them. Don't pretend you're being bullied. Somebody gave me a hard time about bullying Eugene Goo. I'm like, oh, compare that. My supposedly trying to educate this motherfucking dumb shit because he won't <laughs> even answer a simple question. And this is science, and then he wants to give me a high school lecture. I exposed to him 
the single biggest mistake in the history of medicine. And he starts spouting high school immunology. I'm like, you're a fucking dumb shit. That's what he is. And is that bullying? Oh, he talks about cyberbullying. It's not but bullying. You see the big differences. Children, I don't want them bullied. No one else in the world does. When we're adults, it's not bullying. It's difference of opinion. And, you know, I got bullied tons because I'm an anti-vaxxer. And they would come and bully me. I would be very polite and ask them questions. And then pretty soon they realized they were in over their heads. And that would make fun of them. And then all of a sudden it's bullying. When they started it, come on, with, among adults, it's not bullying. It's just some people are dumber. <laughs> <laughs> I like you, Dr. Lee. <laughs> Speaking yeah. some sense up in here. Yeah, I call it the participation trophy generation. All these people who never had to live through any hardships as a child because they were given <clears throat> participation trophies left and right. Just just for showing up, you know. And I, I and I make fun of the Dems because I say, look, you know, if Dr. Fauci, when he gave his talk on fixed simple diffusion, and if you guys had just been honest and said, Hey little hey son, you've just fucked up. You get a an F. None of this would have happened. But they clapped their hands and they were very polite and he thought he was good at it. He's bad at diffusion. He's bad at simple diffusion. He doesn't understand the concept. But he thinks, I've been here for 35 years. Some little I thought can't show me up. Okay. And he keeps proceeding. And now he's going to go to jail for this. We can only hope. <laughs> what so, kind of, have you been threatened at all or had any bad stuff come your way? I mean, I've, I've expected it. And I was, you know, this is what I did to Big Pharma because... I think they're almost more afraid of me than I am of them because I sent Big Pharma. This is what I told them. I said, your PrEP Act gives you legal liability for the COVID vaccine. But your PrEP Act also includes major exceptions. One, severe side effects combined with willful misconduct. Now, if I explain to you that your COVID antibody has no path into the lung airspace. And I, I documented this really well. And you keep selling your vaccine. What do you think a jury will say later? Dr. Lee actually explained this to you. And you didn't decide to answer him. You gave him a ticket number, claim number. You, you know, you obviously responded to him. You acknowledged receipt of this. He sent it to all your directors. He sent it certified mail via attorneys, et cetera. It, paper trail is really good. And he even explained to you, well, shouldn't you explain how this works? Shouldn't you look, stop and reflect and think, oh, maybe this isn't the time to vaccinate pregnant women and children? What mother on earth do you think would vaccinate their infant if the antibody never gets into the lung area? And so part of the lung infected by COVID if the antibody can't get in, why are you doing this? This is drug development 101. It's not magic. You can't invoke teleportation. The molecule actually has to be there and you don't have a scientific explanation. So is it willful misconduct then? So, you know, I called up Moderna three months ago, right before I got on Twitter. And I just ranted and raved for like 30 minutes. And, you know, it was recorded on that side. It was recorded on my side. I've never released that uh, audio tape, but I threatened them I would. 
I threatened them. I said, I'm going to put it on Twitter. I was, I had like 50 followers. So I didn't even do it back then. <clears throat> that was like three and a half months ago. And then about uh, a month after that, <laughs> Pfizer comes out with a statement and out of the blue, they say, we didn't check for prevention of transmission. And everyone was wondering, what the fuck? Why they come out to say that? I have my hypothesis on why they did that. If in an alternate universe, there's an evil Pfizer, this is what I think the evil Pfizer would do. <laughs> this is what I think would have happened. Bizarre but they're not freaks out. Holy shit, guys. <laughs> Holy shit, guys. This guy called me up and said, our antibody doesn't get into the lung. Ooh, is that really true? I'm, I'm a fly on the wall of Moderna's board. You know, this is what's happening. And they're all freaking out. And they're like, damn it. And then there's some one, one idiot has a bright angel like, hey, hey, look at a competitor, Pfizer. They've been doing this too. Maybe he reached out to them. They've got more lawyers. They've been in this business. Like, Maybe we need to call them. So one of them calls up Pfizer, and Pfizer says, hey, guys, this is an alternate universe. This is fiction. One of the guys in Pfizer, the attorney says, hey, guys, calm down, guys, calm down. Let's not lose our heads. Let's not lose our heads. He's already contacted us. He's already told us that the antibody doesn't cross lung barrier. This is what we figured out. We're going to do. You know, he says the antibody never enters the lung, airspace. We are going to have, our position will be, we never expected the antibody to get into the lung airspace. Now, if that's our position, then it doesn't matter what he said. It's not willful misconduct. He's already telling us what we already know. Now, we can't say we never wanted our antibody into the lung airspace. Let's lawyer it up. Okay. We never checked to see if our vaccine, vaccine could prevent transmission. Oh, that's good language. Let's put that out. And they do. <laughs> it's exactly the same thing, because if the antibody's not in your lung, it can't prevent you from getting infected. And it can't prevent transmission. So they're saying the exact same shit that I said. Yeah, I don't really know what's happening, but this is my guess. And, you know, hey, am I, am I allowed to play detective? Am I yes, allowed yes. to guess? And I'm making up fiction right now. So that's my guess. <laughs> Isn't that interesting, Nick? It is. So, so, <clears throat> so yeah, that whole, that was an EU trial, I think, where, where they, where the spokesperson uh, admitted to that, right? Or was it EU something or other? I think it was in Germany. I don't really remember. It was so long ago. <laughs> Seems like so long ago. Yeah, that was um, about two months ago. Yeah, two months ago. God. That was right right, right before, you know. I, I wrote my thread after that, and I got 10,000 followers in, in one day. That's, you know, I had 80 followers before that. That was like October 15. Yeah, I think you're up to 40-something or 30. Yeah, but, no, I, you know, of course, know. Twitter tamped it down, and Fauci's yeah. daughter supposedly is a software programmer on Twitter. and Yep. I could just, my followers were telling me, you know, I, I have to refollow you five times. And they just be following me. So they're, they're up to their games, you know? I, I haven't had that problem. Yeah, and Fauci's wife is what, head of ethics at the NIH? Uh, trust NIH. me, I sent her letters too. Yeah, yeah. You know, crazy. I mean, everyone, uh, kind of anyone involved with this, the whole school of public health at Brown University, mm. I sent letters to, right? Emails too. It doesn't seem to matter. The Democrats, they're just going to stick together. The truth is not relevant to them. It's a cult. The truth is not relevant. 
Yeah. It's a cult. So uh, what, what, what's your opinion? So I know the FDA has changed their rules on approving vaccines, uh, especially these mRNA vaccines. I, I just heard now there's a new mRNA, uh, the Moderna's coming out with a heart, <laughs> a myocarditis oh, drug yes. that's mRNA based. That's crazy. Yes. But, uh, you know, the, the, the idiot CEO of Moderna, he's just complete. He's a veterinarian, isn't he? So is Borla. That's a, that's a Pfizer. I thought they both were. Oh, really? Bench was also a vet. <laughs> well, Snake they're eyes. definitely treating us like animals. For sure. <laughs> yes, ding, they are. Ding. Where, uh, where's my synchro belt? God damn it. I haven't, I I haven't unpacked it yet. Um, so, uh, yeah. And based on these new mRNA technology uh, platform, if you will, they can generate a new some new drug in a day or two so the fda changed their rules on approval to fast track these oh which, wow yeah yeah it's terrible it's, it's, it's scary well look what they did with the bivalent they approved it without any human trials right because you know which one was this the bivalent booster vaccine wow. whatever the hell it is the new one that just came out and it was tested on eight mice is, is what i've read <laughs> <laughs> Eight, and they, it produced antibodies, so they approved it for EUA <laughs> with with zero evidence of efficacy, which basically breaks the rules of the FDA. Uh, to, to get something to have EUA approval, uh, a product needs to have fifty percent, at least fifty percent. I, I efficacy. just think that we'll all wake up and we were all in the same twilight. Yes, Episode. you're talking my language now. <laughs> That's what I think. We're all gonna wake up. Holy fuck! Did you have the same dream I had? Holy fuck! We all had the same fucking dream. Now we're talking. This all happened when I went to the hospital. It all shifted. It just... did, Jerry. It did. There was a shift. Oh man! I wonder. So, Doctor Lee, mm -hmm. let's just hypothesize uh, some future options or ideas as to what may happen from where we are now, not even looking at all this shit they're going to try and put on us here soon. So with everyone that went ahead and say got four and five shots. Oh, you know, I mean, if you're that dumb, I'm sorry, but I should be nice. Well, uh, I'd rather you just be honest and not candy coat anything because that's the way I go. And I, you know, what is the, how does this look playing out in the future? I mean, there, it seems like immune systems are pretty shot. I mean, to me, our human body is amazingly resilient and whatever damage you, you caused from this, I think it, it fades over a few months. No, meaning the risk of creating new damage fades, whatever damage you've had. Like my brother had a heart attack. That's not going to fade. That's that's permanent, right? But whatever risk you have from the vaccine fades over a few months. That's what I believe. Now, <clears throat> let's say you get some antigen exposure that you haven't had before. Okay. So like I, oh, this is a crazy story. So the other day, I, I have a patient, LASIK patient that works at Pfizer. And she told me what happened to her colleague. And her colleague had her son get the vaccine. They, they both work at Pfizer. And the, I think, 17 or 18-year-old son 
got diabetes, type one diabetes. Jeez. So type that's one antibodies against your type one islet cells. Hmm. It, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are mRNA. That means they're an adjuvant. That means they're really powerful. They just trick your body to thinking you have a crazy virus infection going on. And they just start pumping out chemo. All your cells start pumping out chemokines, a lot of them. So you're going to have all these B cells ramped up and wanting to produce antibodies. Some of these B cells will run into a, a pancreatic islet cell and think, oh, this is the enemy. I got to start making antibodies against the pancreatic islet cell. That's what we call autoimmune disorders. So he has an autoimmune disorder now. When your own immune system attacks parts of your body, that's an autoimmune disorder. And so yes, he got yes. So there will be there will be a lot. You know, Guillain Barre is when your antibodies attack your myelin sheath and your nerves don't work as well. Guillain Barre. So there this is very, very well documented medicine and science. So an mRNA vaccine. You think your body can tell that this mRNA vaccine is just for a COVID spike antigen? mRNA is like paper. Every cell recognizes mRNA and says, oh my God, dead cell parts. You know, if you see intestines hanging out or anywhere, you're not happy. You're going to be very <laughs> careful. You're going to be vigilant. Cells, yeah. same strategy applies. When there's an apocalypse now with dead cell parts everywhere, and RNA is cell intestines hanging out. Other cells are supposed to freak out, and they do. That's why they pump out chemokines. And when they freak out, then sometimes your body will develop an immune disorder against a natural body antigen, and that's what an autoimmune disorder is. So there will be a huge incidence of autoimmune disorders. That's, you know, Don Bedouin, he likes to look at all the data. Again, when you have a hypothesis, you can predict what will happen in the future. I can predict, you know, everyone says, oh, the cardiologist is a lot better. I know who's going to be better next. The rheumatoid, arth arthritis, autoimmune disorder doctors. They're going to be super busy. <laughs> that's that's what's in, in store for America and the world. Yeah. I wonder about, so... And I've had this question, and I know a few people that have had blood transfusions during the midst of all this that did not get the shots. And I'm wondering how, say you got blood from someone who was um, juiced, how would that affect you? Is there, is this woo-woo? I mean, what, what could possibly be going on with all that? Okay, so... Let's think about it very logically. Let's say you got two units, right? Let's say the mRNA got diffused through their body, mostly their blood. Let, let's imagine that there's 10 units of blood in the body. I don't know the exact number, but let's imagine that there's 10 units. Let's imagine that the vaccine, half of it was in the blood, half of it was in the solid tissues. So then let's imagine you got two, two units from this person, right? Not right away, but you know, a month or two later, right? So already you're getting 10% at the most dose of what they got, right? Right, at the most. So everything in life is relative, meaning 
if I drink one cup of water, it's good for me. If I drink 100 cups of water, I die. Water is a poison if you drink too much. It's like pain. Yeah, everything. So your body can handle a little bit, right? And you're not going to have all that reaction with a little bit. As you get up, there's a certain critical point. But I really doubt it's from 10%. And that's at the max. Just if you, you, if you do the numbers just the way I just did it, then getting a vaxxed person's blood. And, you know, the part of the reason why I say this is I don't, I mean, my children are vaccinated. I don't like to stigmatize people who are vaccinated. They have their own issues to suffer. I don't think, oh, we should be afraid they're giving something off. We're going to breathe something and we're going to, no, you don't believe in all that. You know, I don't believe in that. Either. You got to, if you don't, if you can't pre present mechanisms to me and realistic science, it's all shit. And you doing goo, goo goo, that little goo goo, he's all shit. <laughs> goo goo. That's his nickname. <laughs> I love it. I have to nickname all these anti-vaxxer leaders. King Kong Corey. <laughs> I saw that. I like Corey. I like Corey. Corey's okay. Yeah, but he went after Carolina hard, and then I presented all my information, and I was very nice to him. He didn't respond. I'm like, I gave you information, dude, that can stop the vaccine in his tracks, and you've got a lot of followers. You put help me put this out there, we stop it. None of them would help me. Malone wouldn't help me. Moron Malone. I called him Moron Malone. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still 50-50 I mean, on Malone. I like McCullough, yeah. though. Uh, Corey's okay. I like McCullough, I'm giving him a break because I don't know who stopped me from Senator Johnson's group because I reached out to them November 2021. Mm -hmm. And their staff loved what I had to say. And I'm pretty convincing. They loved it. And this information they had never heard. And then they went back to their doctors, and they said, well, our doctors don't think it's reasonable. So who among Senator Ron Johnson's doctors told Senator Ron Johnson that my stuff was useless? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that same group was also working ro with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And Robert F. Kennedy Jr. got my information at least eight, ten months ago. And he got it via his attorney. And he was excited. And the reason why I know, he emailed my information to his group of 10, 12 doctors. Mm -hmm. And who's going to ignore Robert F. Kennedy when he emails them directly, right? So Robert yeah. F. Kennedy sent the information. You know, NAS got it. Corey got it. I knew Nass because I had already talked to her and she's dumb. And she just, I call her Nasty Nass because she just, she's just dumb. She didn't even understand what Dalton was. Who is this? Meryl Nass. Mer oh, Meryl Nass. Okay. okay. I, I'm sorry, but you know, I mean, look, I have the paper trail and she dismissed everything I said. I said, no, Dr. Lee, I don't think so. Like, like, you know anything. So then when she got my information again via Robert F. Kennedy Jr., she was a little surprised. Now she had to pretend that she had never seen it. And she was trying to back and forth with me. And I'm like, you fucking little bitch. You got my information. You already turned me down. I talked to you very politely. And now you're acting like this. You're a little bitch. That's why I named her Nasty Nass. And King Kong Corey, I didn't even know about, but he got my information. Same time. McCullough did too. And Malone. And I called him more on Malone because of all the people, he's a scientist. And I'm presenting science. I'm like, in science, size matters. I'm presenting you the, the major flaw with her, the theory. The antibody doesn't even enter the lung. And you have no comment, not even a question, nothing. Because Robert F. Kennedy Jr. decided not to work with me because of their interaction with me. And Moron Malone did not say a word. And then when he got put back on Twitter, first thing he says to people are like, I don't talk to people who insult me. Well, fuck. 
you ignored me first, and I presented all the science to you, and you ignored me first. And he will avoid a Twitter space where I'm in because he can't answer this fucking questions. So he has yeah. responsibility. Now, McCullough, I named him a chicken because, you know, he's kind of quiet. Everywhere I go, I was in a group of like, uh, somebody invited me to a group of 40 doctors, texting group or whatever. I started explaining everything. He left. 38 doctors left with him within 12 hours. He flew the coop. Wow. So yes. I, call him, I call him a chicken. But I still give him a break because, you know, when I first explained this to people, they don't all get it. And I get it. I understand it. So, you know, McCullough may still be a very good guy. But my, my contention is this. He went on with a scene, on to some show, on some news show, and he was explaining all the side effects and all the heart problems. I'm thinking, if you had told Ron Johnson a year ago to work with me, and we get this question, Ron Johnson doesn't even have to agree with me. He, all Ron Johnson has to say is this. Dr. Fauci, we got some weird information here. We need the scientific community to look at this. That's all he had to do. He didn't even have to say he agreed with me. I told him this. All you have to say is just put it out there. And then everyone would read it and they would conclude, wow, this fucking, fucking vaccine is shit. Then it would have been stopped. Then all these people with heart problems wouldn't have heart problems that McCullough is sitting there talking about. Right. So you see how weird that is for me because I have this paper trail. I have all my discussions with all these people. <clears throat> So now we'll just install defibrillators in, in schools and <laughs> playgrounds, right? To compensate. Well, they're them. installing them in the street in I some know, places. Dr. So, Lee, it sounds like uh, um, the mommy dearest thing, the Joan Crawford thing, your mm -hmm. box office poison. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know John, John Crawford. I don't know what the mommy dearest reference is. It's it's a camp for people out there. Box office poison. It's it's a thing when you've been kind of shunned by your and own black industry. Listed. Yeah. Oh my god, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So <laughs> I have a couple questions from the audience, if I may ask. Sure. Um. So so um. Yeah. I don't know how to phrase this question. Shedding mRNA shedding, uh, spike protein shedding. <laughs> Uh, we we know now that the the mRNA therapy creates uh, it causes your body to create the spike proteins and mass for like up to five months I think is the current estimate but could be longer I don't I don't know I haven't read anything or any studies that prove it it goes longer but I've what I have seen is like five to six months it continues to make these proteins. Yeah, so what I what I always tell everyone, mm -hmm. if you want to learn how to think correctly, <clears throat> don't think in terms of black and white, shedding versus no shedding. Don't think in terms of black and white. Think in terms of gray. And this is one of the lessons I get gave to my daughter. And you know what? Yes. People don't one that they'll go their whole lives and not figure this out. <clears throat> so this is what I say. If I define evil as annihilation of the human race. No more humans on Earth. To me, that's pretty evil. So then you look at World Trade Center. Horrible. But can I say that's 100% evil? Depends on who did it. <laughs> Relatively speaking, it's 0.001% evil, right? Mm -hmm. You see, every word is gray. 
Now, if you understand grayness, you're further along than 99.9% of the population. Yes, the way yes. Print. print means you see a word, evil. You think it's evil across the board. No, fucking no, it's not. Evil is, okay. Eugene Goo is evil. <laughs> I have to keep throwing that in. I'm like so black and white evil? Or... <laughs> the gray level. Okay, so. <clears throat> so, shedding. Whatever amount of RNA you get from somebody else, it's going to be a fraction of what you get in a blood transfusion. Okay. And a blood transfusion is only at most 5 to 10% of what a vaccinated person gets when they get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So 1% is not going to harm you. It's just not. Some people have reported uh, effects, their so-called effects that they felt. I'm, I'm not validating <clears throat> it, I'm just saying. I get it, I get it. I've read and it. They believe it's real. They believe it's real. And psychosomatically make it real, I get you. I, I, I don't know, but you know what, the, the way I think, You've got to have a mechanism for me to believe it. Because, you know, in the early days of hydroxychloroquine, I kept saying to people, if you don't have a mechanism, it's shooting in the dark. Please, it's shooting in the dark. You have to have a mechanism for me to understand it. So say, so say this. Say you uh, have a compromised immune system, say, uh -huh. from the vax. And then you come in contact with, or you are around a lot of um, people that may be, especially in that first three months, say it's your husband, your wife, your kids, the people you're around. Would the shedding that's going on in that period affect you adversely if you already have a compromised immune system with some sort of autoimmune issue? I still think it's less than 1%. Okay. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is, it's so small that I wouldn't even say it's worth looking at. You know, I mean, I, I sympathize with them, and I believe that they feel it's real. Uh, and, you know, for me, I get that psychosomatic response, too, around vaxxers. I mean, I, I feel like I want to throw up sometimes, right? When I'm around them. But it's psychosomatic. It's nothing that they gave off. I just don't like them sometimes, right? I mean, their their attitude and their how they talk to me, to me, is very disgusting. But I don't think it's actually real. What is real? <laughs> I wonder, I also wonder if you could break down spike proteins in general for people so they can understand on a deeper level what goes, what is that? So without question, the spike protein, okay, so it, whatever it is on the surface of the virus that helps it enter our lung cells, that's what the spike protein is. Now, no, without question, when you have a natural infection, it's very different compared to when you're getting injected with a spike protein. So a vaccine is going to be tremendously more spike protein than you ever see, ever, ever see in a real situation. I, I would bet that a thousand people who have COVID, let's say none of them die. Let's say none of them are intubated. 
you took a thousand people who had COVID and none of them had to be hospitalized for it, but some of them had severe COVID. You check all their COVID antibodies in their blood and you quantify how much COVID antibody they have in their blood. So the top 1% of these thousand people you check and you document that amount of COVID antibody in their blood. You compare it to a vaccinated person. Any vaccinated person to me would be over that. My point is, when you get a lung infection, most of the spike protein is contained within your lung. That means that most of the spike protein doesn't lead to antibody formation and the proteins are broken down in the lung. It leaks into the blood with severe COVID because you have a breach in the lung barrier. If it leaks into your blood, then you form some antibody, but that amount is nothing compared to the amount you're going to get when you get injected with a vaccine, especially yeah. a synthetic mRNA vaccine that doesn't like to die off very easily. Then what about, there's oh, all these other issues with the COVID vaccine because when I talk about fasting being the cure, I say it's the ribonuclease enzyme that healed us because it destroyed the uh, RNA within our cells. That ribonuclease, we shed. We shed everywhere. It's everywhere. You cannot get away from this ribonuclease enzyme. It's even in Pfizer and Moderna vials. Meaning, did anyone wonder why it was frozen? It's not because RNA is inherently in unstable. RNA is unstable when you have ribonuclease enzymes around because ribonuclease enzymes will destroy it. And ribonuclease enzymes are everywhere. So Pfizer and Moderna, you would think, oh, just autoclave your vials and you don't have to worry about it. No, because heat doesn't destroy ribonuclease enzymes. Many of them are still functional, which is very different from most proteins. Most protein enzymes, you heat up in an autoclave and it's gone, it's coagulated and it doesn't work. Ribonuclease enzymes are different. They survive that. Okay, so let's, like, let's say there's a you know, few thousand ribonuclease enzymes in a vial. It's frozen. So when it's frozen at minus 60 or whatever they had it at the beginning, it's not very active, it can't work. And then they realized, oh, we gotta go warmer because that's so hard to do so far as logistically. They went warmer and warmer. And then they probably, I'm going to guess what they did. They probably added more mRNA because the, because the. Because they, they weren't RNA keeping it cool and it, it, they were getting eaten up by the time it was getting injected. Yeah. This is what happens. You thaw it. As you thaw that mRNA, that ribonuclease enzyme contamination that's in those vials starts destroying that RNA. If you thaw it for 30, sec 30 seconds versus two minutes, Completely different amount. So when they say, oh, some people are dying of, you know, clots, maybe they had no ribonuclease enzyme in their vial, and they had a quadruple dose of mRNA, because they just added a ton of mRNA to make sure there was, there was some mRNA in there. You see how weird that gets? And that paper trail of what they did, see, Moderna and Pfizer, they considered that contamination. That RNAs within their vials, that's the hero that saved humanity. They considered it a contamination. Mm. Bizarre. The whole world that's... thinks it's No, it what was it was it was a hydra. Come on. I wanna know, Dr. <laughs> Lee, how do um 
how do exosomes play in with all this? Because that gets thrown in with this shedding conversation. I haven't even seen that. You know, the shedding. I don't even look at that because I can just. Well, it's in count. It's a contrapoint to shedding with the, the what happens with exosomes and all this. And I am not a medical person. Well, yeah, I don't even know what that means. What was your question, Nish? How do exosomes? And I don't even know if I'm saying that properly, but there's um... exosomes are the byproducts of like after an infection when cells break oh, down, the exosomes are released. That's my understanding of it. I mean, right. exosomes are used in autophagy and different things, but mm -hmm. I, I I just don't know. No one releases an exosome. I thought your body produces them, like when it breaks down a virus. No. Uh, I mean, nothing. I I have no idea of how an exosome would leave your body, but. I've oh. never even heard that theory. No, I, I wasn't suggesting it did. I'm just saying that's what it comes from. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. So you know, I had two more questions, three more questions, real quick. Um, are you familiar with uh, the Zelenko protocol? No. Okay. No. All right. So Zev Zelenko, you never heard of him? I haven't. Okay, you should check out his stuff. You might like him. He's dead, by the way. Uh. He died last year. Um. Have you seen the study on the nicotine receptors and people who smoked had less instance incidences of COVID? I, I did. And, you know, my, I had theories on that and no one knows for sure. <clears throat> but uh, one thing I know for certain, smokers tend to eat less. Hmm. You know, women were always dieting and they, they eat less. Smokers eat less. Obese people were the most likely to be intubated. This just goes back to my theory of you trick your body into thinking it's starving and the cells don't grow. Smokers have two two things that, in my mind, might protect them. Not because of the receptor, not because of nicotine receptors. They're eating less. One, two. They have chronic inflammation in their lung, and that chronic inflammation can produce interferon, low grades of interferon. And interferon is antiviral. Right. So that, that those would be my first theories, not nicotine receptors. Right, and the smoke itself causing more phlegm and more mucus. And you cough it up. Mucus definitely catches virus, LMP particles. You know, I mean, it catches LMP. It catches everything. That's why when you're sick, you produce more phlegm. Because mucus is hard for a virus to overcome and invade a cell when it's trapped in mucus. You know, I got sick four weeks ago, and I still have a little phlegm left, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. one of the reasons why I study this so hard is because first time I came to California, I got a cold, and I was coughing for six months. And I had repetitive bouts of coughing that lasted months at least a dozen times. So I was hyper-aware of all these issues, hyper-aware of these issues. Yeah. I always get sick when I go to California, too. It's weird. Um, okay, last question. Uh, the, the that's I think it was a Swedish study about transcription into the liver of the mRNA. Did you are you familiar with that? Uh, what was the study? I don't remember that the the, uh, the mRNA once the mRNA ex once expressed in the liver transcribes a portion of itself <clears throat> into the liver cells, so basically changes your DNA. Okay, so that would be. Uh, you know, I, I, I ran into somebody who was talking about that, and I'm thinking, 
He's so passionate about it. But you need a reverse transcriptase. The only possible way to get RNA into DNA is with reverse transcriptase. Mm -hmm. And hepatitis B virus does do that. So I can see where they would say in the liver, if somebody has an active hepatitis B infection and they get a vaccine, they can have more problems. It's a theoretical. Oh, but, good. you know, when they say it affects your genetic lineage and your heritage, that's nonsense. it has to go to your ovaries or your testes. And you have to show me how the hepatitis B virus got in your liver. I mean, got in your ovaries or testes. And some, some young doctor got up there and he goes, spotting all this stuff. And I'm like, where is the reverse transcriptase coming from? Yes, it's on the internet, reverse transcriptase. But is it in your ovary or is it in your testes? If it's not, shut the fuck up. I mean, you, you, you know, he's some doctor that got banned in Canada. But, you know, look, do your due diligence. Protect yes, yourself. Yes. Say things that make sense and that somebody can't overcome very easily. I'm trying to remember who got banned from Canada. It's a bridal. Byron Bridal. Some young Asian doctor oh, okay. who was big on a reverse transcriptase something. Okay. You're an idiot because you have to explain how the reverse transcriptase got there. You know, most people with HIV, their viral loads are not detectable because of all the medications these days. Mm -hmm. That means mm -hmm. the chance of a reverse transcriptase being active in the testes and actually putting that in is super duper duper low. And you're worried about the whole lineage of, you're talking about every woman on earth that got a vaccine may give this to children. Shut the fuck up with that stupidity. I mean, it has to, you can't skip steps in science. There right. has to be a method. And this is like Fauci, he skipped steps. How does the antibody enter the lung? He skipped a step. Mm -hmm. You know, every mechanism you have to have in place, if there's a major flaw, then you've got to stop. Yeah. Well, I thought that, okay, so uh, the biodistribution study, that one from Japan that everyone discusses, does state that it 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 uh, collects in the testes and ovaries and the liver. I think there were a few That's other fine places. If it collects, yeah. but then you have to show me the reverse transcriptase that puts okay. it into the you know ovarian cell. See, it doesn't yeah. matter if the RNA is there. It doesn't matter. You need a reverse transcriptase, sir. And hepatitis B and HIV are the only two that I know. There are very rare viruses that have reverse transcriptases within them. Mm -hmm. HIV is one, and we're scared to death of it, and we control it really well. And hepatitis B, you know, those medications for hepatitis B are really good these days. And so, but that's in the liver and it's not in the ovary. So again, you know, it doesn't matter. Right. So the average person isn't going to figure this out. But these scientists just, you know, they spout stuff when they don't necessarily know. You have to have the complete mechanism. If you don't, it doesn't work. Yeah. Once and it's the same thing for Fauci. He doesn't have the complete mechanism. How does the antibody get into the lung? can't even explain that well, he just never practiced medicine he's just a scientist academic <sighs> and a poor one at that you know, to me to me i i have no forgiveness for the democrat party because you know for three two and a half years i tried nonstop to reach them and i just kept hoping kept hoping and then i finally went to the anti-vaxxers and i i got shut down by a lot of them robert f kennedy jr's group and you know del gray's group i i del big's group i just you know, that's everyone has their own agenda. Yeah, that that's true. That is absolutely true. I'm surprised that yes. Dell 
Del Big Tree turned you down though. Because... No, no, he didn't turn me down. What he oh. what he had is he had his second in command, right hand man, who told me, "Look, I think of me just like Del Big Tree." Ca- okay, Callum, or I've talked to that guy. I remember. So I explained everything. He says, "Doctor Lee, I get it. You don't understand how the antibody enters lung airspace. <laughs> Our doctors know." I said, fuck, what the fuck? I just gave you information to destroy the COVID vaccine, and you're telling me the exact opposite. Are you an anti-vaxxer? <laughs> or are you just a dumb shit with a low voice that thinks that, you know, you talk like a scientist, and now I'm a scientist? Fuck, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we tried oh to get down on our show a couple of years ago, and I, I talked to that same guy, I think. Wasn't no, a good... he's a fucking idiot. Wasn't a good fit. <laughs> There's so much of it. What it so just to hypothesize a bit and maybe try and get a little bit of woo going. Yeah, what is your background? You're just fascinating to me. Oh well, thank you. I'm <laughs> I'm just an artist. Join the club, buddy. <laughs> anyway, so and this, Dr. can I say that you're beautiful? <laughs> oh well, well, thank you. From my my little my little screenshot there. So, um. What do you think ultimately, Dr. Lee, why is this going on? Why is there such a control grid around all of this? And why is this being pushed so fervently onto the masses and people like you that are coming up saying, where's the due diligence here? Prove me wrong. Here's real science. Why is this such a big piece of theater that's going on and dare i say very dangerous you'll never understand this jerry will it's the ego of man (laughs) (laughs) do you really think it's do you really think it's that simple uh, yeah i do because you know what you see you know fauci when he decided to copy the flu vaccine he couldn't possibly have imagined a mistake this big would be there in the flu vaccine, right? You can possibly ex- ex- expect that. Because the flu vaccine has run around for, what, decades? <clears throat> so when he copied that, and then I, he gets a letter from me, he knew that there was something going on because there was no reason why he would forward this. You know how many emails Dr. Fauci gets? Do you think he's going to forward everything to Dr. Emily or Belding and make her reply to? But she did to me because it was significant. And then her response, and I'm never, I, I, I'll, I'll say this right now and forever. This is what I'll feel. Dr. Emily R. Belding screwed up. But whatever punishment she deserves, in my opinion, and the people would cite that, it's got to be a lot, lot less than Dr. Fauci. Just a lot, lot less. Because he's this powerhouse that's been there for 30, 40 years. And everyone's scared to death of him, and she's a woman. And, and she, when she wrote her email back to me, she said, thank you, Dr. Lee, for this email to Dr. Francis Collins, Dr. Anthony Fauci, Dr. Gibbons, you know, everyone. She mentioned everyone because she's not going to be on this letter by herself because this letter is the one thing that's going to destroy Fauci. Because the fact that she responded to me, and then I responded to her with a 73-page letter, it's going to be hard to say that she never got my 73-page letter. Yeah. And even the first letter that she acknowledged is enough to destroy it. 
And the second 73-page letter just clinches it. And it's so thorough that no one even has to agree with me. They just have to say, guys, I don't even have to agree with the guy. He's laying out what you research you need to do before you fucking start vaccinating children and pregnant women. Yes. It's, and and you didn't do that. So I don't do not ever want to throw Emily or Belling under the bus because she's a woman. She was under his thumb. And Fauci's a fucking evil bastard in my mind. And so he deserves it. I, I whatever punishment he gets, she's gotta get a lot, lot less than he does. Cool. I think that was all my questions. Do you have any other questions, Nish? No, only because we're right here at the end and we yeah. do need to be timely tonight. Yeah, I want to let Dr. Lee get Dr. Lee's doing a space on Twitter after this at 8 30. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not looking forward to it? <laughs> Dr. No, I mean, Lee. I've got up to eight hours, but. Now, I, what I hate the most are dumb doctors who have <laughs> ego. And, you know, Nish, you asked me why you think that this has happened and why yeah. they won't respond. You know, when I talk, there are countless directors of the CDC, NIH, and FDA I called up. Countless. And I would start off by saying, oh, I'm Dr. Lee, and I'm an ophthalmologist, and I have some concerns. They were all very nice. And, the, you know, it's harder to, for me to explain it in this issue to a layperson. But to a scientist, I just say, blood lung barrier, guys. Science. Yes, yes. It can't cross. There's not a single peer-reviewed paper on Earth that describes an active transport mechanism to ferry these gargantuan antibodies across the blood lung barrier, guys. And then they just get stunned. And they get stunned. And they just, and they want to be away from me. Because what I am certain that they realize, it's a mistake, a gargantuan one. And heads will roll and people will be fired. And anyone who has a paper trail with me isn't going to look good. That's what I yeah. thought. I have Dr. Lee. Oops, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm echoing. I have, I guess, one last question. What are your thoughts uh, or whatever on the pcr test that you know through the a, a million degrees up into your skull that whole thing always seemed horrifying to me you know right now the level of you know lying you can't trust much right why would i trust that test yeah i i can't trust much that the government does I why don't would trust i trust any of it Right. Why would I trust that test even? Oh, the PCR test. Want... We're talking PCR tests? Yeah. They want to conflate the results, right? Yeah. Well, they have. They're running it at anything over 20 cycles is going to give you false positives like 90% of the time. So, the whole thing's, the, the entire thing's been blown out of proportion. And but I you... grew up with, I never saw those kinds of tests. Go, I mean, what is the whole point of sticking that? It's like a lobotomy. And isn't it possible that it can break a certain membrane, a certain barrier there and cause damage? I mean, I'm not sure, but it just seems You so mean the extreme. test in your nose? Yeah, the one that goes way back. Oh, I can tell you, I've had one probably two, three a week for three years. 
because when I work at surgery centers, they want me to do it. And so my brain seems okay still. <laughs> Thank God. Oh yeah. You're still well, here, good. but how is this? It just seems, it seems dangerous to me. And if somebody doesn't do it properly, is there a possibility of some sort of damage? I mean, how far they put it back? Well, in I mean, I, I really don't think so, but what I think about that situation is they had people who didn't like anti-vaxxers because some of the people that would test me, they would just, you know, twirl it for 15 solid seconds. Other people would twirl it for three seconds. So no, I, I wasn't very happy with it. It's almost clearly the case that most people who are getting the test are anti-vaxxers and they weren't very nice about it. Not a single one. I mean, the surgery centers where I got the test, I would sit there and explain to the nurse the whole thing. By the end, every, every there, there isn't a nurse I haven't talked to at the surgery centers that I explained all this to. So I'm a big loud mouth. And, uh, and, they, and they know the tests are worthless and all this is nonsense. I'm from, from the, a lot of the nurses that I've talked to, they just roll their eyes. They're like, I know, but they're just following orders. And I think that's a lot of what's going on is just order following. But I'm so, I apologize for interrupting you. <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, that's exactly the situation. There's yes. nothing amazing about the tests. They're, they're just, they could be all lies for all I know. It's, the government is not to be trusted right now. Never I'm has been. I'm with you 100% yeah. on that. And they, they're proving themselves day in and day out with that. And it's amazing to me how many people still pull up and believe that these <clears throat> monsters, fiends, liars, thugs, thieves still have the people's best interest at hand. It's You know, I, I had a conspiracy theory that I put in my 73 pages. I love a conspiracy first, theory. You know, the first time I exposed this was in October 2020 Fauci. I had most of the information ready by December, but I waited till February because I had to redraft it like 50 times because I was so mad. One of my conspiracy theories was this, that, you know, the Chinese Communist Party hated Trump because Trump started a trade war with them. And typically with a trade war with America, the Chinese Communist Party finds somebody to pay off. And then the issue goes away. Well, with Trump, they had no one to pay off and they couldn't resolve it. And they did not want Trump to be reelected. And the Chinese Communist Party was gonna do anything on earth to make sure Trump doesn't get reelected. Yeah. And, and imagine if they release the virus, and it's a mild virus, and it spreads throughout the world, and it hurts the U.S. economy. Well, it is the economy, stupid. And if the economy is not good, the chance of Trump winning is less. And if they can cause a stay-at-home mandate, then they can, you know, mail-in ballots are all fucking fraud, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if you can legitimize a lockdown with a fake not a real virus, but a small one. And you have a lockdown that Fauci participates in. And Fauci is complicit because he knows this Chinese. Oh, remember, this is all fiction. This is out of my head, right? And so this was my conspiracy theory. Like, okay, the Chinese, they want this to happen. They want to get rid of Trump. And they're going to print money. They're going to invest in the big social media companies with this implicit understanding. Hey, Mark Zuckerberg. We're going to just invest $10 billion in your company. We're going to pump up the price. We won't take out our investment. But you play ball with us. 
but there's no pro code. There's nothing on paper anywhere, but everyone gets it. Everyone gets the message. Mark Zuckerberg starts censoring nonstop. All the liberals, all the Republicans get censored. Liberals get to say whatever they fucking want. The campaign against misinformation, everything happens. That's what I thought was happening. They legitimized mail-in ballots by saying, oh, you can stay home. Oh, oh yeah, you, you don't think the Chinese CCP got involved in rigging our mail-in ballots. I'm 100% sure it happened, okay? I'm pretty sure they're printed in China, <laughs> the ballots. <laughs> and the fucking Russian collusion? Fuck, it was oh, a CCP oh collusion. And remember, oh I'm God. not anti-Chinese. I'm not racist. I probably got Chinese blooded. I'm South Korean. But I, still, I just, this has just been so much bullshit. It's yeah. just amazing. And how about the whole shutting down of the lab leak theory? I mean, that was pretty conspicuous for them to do that. Like, to just shut it down without any, oh, it couldn't be that. And you're racist. When when you, when you they come back and say you're racist for bringing that up, you know for a fact that there's some kind of cover-up there. You know, Francis Collins was director of the NIH. He was my genetics professor in medical school. I yeah. knew he was, a, you know, a very strong Christian. And I knew that, you know, my dad's retired minister i'm not a good christian by any means mm -hmm. <laughs> but i can speak the i can speak the language and i wrote him personal letters and emails and i called up his secretary and you should have seen that look of shock on that secretary's face when i explained all this oh, he's not going to get away with it he's one of the dirty ones he's already retired <laughs> it doesn't matter because uh, sure his legacy will be tainted forever. Yes. This is all going to come out. Absolutely. Yes. His legacy will be tainted forever. If yes. he, whatever he thinks he did in science, he ruined everything he did with ignoring this fact where children were dying. Yeah. And you know, you know, you know, Sean's dad. I mean, I, I just happened to, uh, you know, uh, I don't remember his exact Twitter handle. But I think Sean, who? Sean, uh, justice for Sean or Sean, Sean, there, there's, uh, anyways, if you look up Sean, you'll uh, find his Twitter handle. SE or SH. And when I, when I read through that, I mean, it brought tears to my eyes. I was, I was just, because we all have children. There is nothing any parent should have to face as bad as their children dying before they do, right? Yeah. And, Terrible. you know, for a useless reason. Yes. A stupid vaccine. And, you know, my, my, my goal is not just this COVID vaccine. My goal is to destroy all vaccines against viruses. Not just this I love vaccine. you. I think I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm with you on all this. And, <laughs> and it's amazing to me how far this agenda with vaccine has come since say the polio days have you heard my polio story no no why don't you end on that that's <laughs> <laughs> okay it takes two minutes so if i'm a 14 year old kid at the time of polio and my friends got all paralyzed i'm freaking out too who wants to be paralyzed they can't play with me they can't push their toys around we can't go jumping nothing so everyone's freaking out no one knows where this comes from. It could be from ants with a new virus. It could be, you know, some aliens shooting lasers at us from the moon. No one knows. My theory is this. The moment the researchers discover 
that the mode of transmission for polio is fecal-oral. That means an infected person with polio has to have a bowel movement. That feces has to end up in my mouth, and I have to swallow that shit. Literally swallow that shit. Human centipede. centipede. (laughs) If if I'm a 14-year-old kid and I realize, oh my god, it's in the shit. Wow, thank god. Thank god it's in the shit. I can handle that. I can handle keeping other people's shit out of my mouth. (laughs) And that's how polio ended. Yes. And just because they found a polio antibody that binds a polio antigen inside a test tube, that's all the proof they had. (laughs) Yeah, the polio vaccine is nonsense. It's actually causing more polio than it's safe. And then here we are, though. From there, I mean, it's 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 ridiculous how this has snowballed into where we are. How many and I hate vaccines to say this. do kids get now? Eighty-six or something? Seventy-two. I know. I know. It's I ridiculous. Just gave birth, and they want to give the baby six hours out of the vaginal you know, birth canal. They want to give the baby a hepatitis B vaccine. Oh my god! Three times they offered it. It's atrocious. And it's just. And the ACIP has uh, approved the COVID vax for the the childhood schedule. So now I I know. And now I went on that. Yeah, I know you're on that call. But but the ramifications of that are that it can never be they can never be held liable for any damage that it does ever. So unless there's fraud, unless there's fraud proven, in in which case they're liable. So Uh. anyway. Thank you. So my goal, my yeah, goal, go is ahead, start go ahead, all vaccines against viruses. And I think we're all on the same page. Absolutely. I love you guys. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Dr. Lee, this has been a great pleasure. I hope you come back. This has been educational and uh, and you're fun as well. So <laughs> thank you. Yes. And this year, very well spoken. You're beautiful and you have a great co-host. Well, thank you. And uh, do you want to plug anything? I know you're doing a space. I can't. I've been looking for the link. I can't find a link to it. So, uh, justice for Sean, I think. Sean for. Oh man, I got to memorize that one. It's Sean Justice. I think is what the account is. No, that can't be it. Uh, you know what? I I'll find it and forward it to you guys. Okay. I feel really bad. I, I should remember it. But is, is it uh, Sean Hartman? Justice for Sean Hartman. Yeah, he has a red he has a red shirt on. Uh, all right, I'll try and find it. But you send it to me, and I will I'll put it in the show notes, and I'll Absolutely. let everyone know. And, and uh, please mention it next time. I, I feel real bad. I don't remember the exact name, but oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, that's see, we all need a source of energy. When I'm feeling bad and depressed, and like uh, everyone's attacking me, when I think about what he's suffering, I get fucking pissed off. And I just have energy to work again because no one should suffer like that. No. Yeah. No one. Agreed. No one. Yeah. Agreed. And everyone remember to fast immediately upon feeling sick. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because if you're 85 and you get COVID, you'll thank me because your chance of living will be much higher. And if you really love your grandparents and your elderly relatives, you'll let them know this before they get infected. Because if they get infected, they decide to have that meal, the nice steak dinner, it could kill them. Yes. Yes. 
Right. Well, Thank you very much, guys. Thank you, Dr. Lee, and hope to speak again, and good luck in your next space, and I hope you can stay awake for eight hours or however long it's going to be. I'm, kid <laughs> I'm kidding. I hope it's not eight hours. You guys were awesome. This, Jerry, thank you very much for having me on. Thank you. I really right. appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Lee. Bye -bye. And thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you in a couple weeks as soon as I book somebody else for the show. So that's it. Have a good one. Goodbye, Nish. Thank you, Dr. Lee, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jerry.